Bibles open at Psalm 73. Sorry, Helen, this is quite large. You might need to put it down again. Actually, that might be a bit too much for me. There we go. Beautiful. Well, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help as we come to his word this morning. Gracious Father, we thank you indeed that you are a God who hasn't left us in the dark, but you have spoken to us through your Son, by your Spirit, and you have given us your word. As we dig into it this morning, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that your Spirit would be at work powerfully in each of us here, that we would listen, that we would take in what you're saying to us, and that we might be changed for the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever felt like God is not enough? Like he hasn't given you what you want, what you need, what you see other people have? Have you ever somehow felt like he's ripping you off, cheating you out of something good that other people are enjoying, that you're somehow missing out? And somehow it's because of God. A number of years ago, we were on long service leave between two Uh, ministry roles and uh, we found ourselves with a Sunday off which was awesome actually a bit strange and a wise mentor friend of mine said make sure you just take the day off don't go visit another church just hang out so that's what we did I knew Sundays were peaceful but I didn't realize it was another world I walked out the front of our house we were uh, in Kingsley at this stage And there was my neighbours, Bob on the left with his boat. There was Fred across the road with his garden. And there was Steve on the right fixing up his caravan. I said hi to Bob and he was taking his massive boat out crayfishing. I said uh, g'day to Fred. He was beavering away at his amazing garden, which is still quite amazing, uh, although he has slowed down quite a bit. And then I waved to Steve as he was hooking up his 40-foot luxury caravan to his equally brand-new 200-series turbo-diesel top-of-the-range Land Cruiser about to take a trip to Coral Bay. So there I was, Sunday morning, confronted with fresh crayfish, beautiful gardens, and luxury holidays. And guess what my first thought was? I wish I had that. I wish... I had what you've got. But it wasn't the crayfishing that I wanted, because I actually get really sick on boats. hate boats. It wasn't the beautiful gardens. I hate gardening. Have a look at our gardens. It's hopeless. It wasn't the caravanning. Do you think I look like I could fit in a caravan bed? (laughs) I still wondered what they had. What was it? It was what I thought was the good life. What was I doing? I was envying them. What was going on at that point when I started wanting what others had? I was feeling like God was not enough. And that is what Psalm 73 addresses this morning. You know, all the Psalms are lyrics to songs. Uh, that the Old Testament people, God's t- people, Israel in the Old Testament sang. And we've got this psalm 
probably written by a guy called Asaph, might have been a group of guys, but let's just say Asaph is one guy, begins by telling us something that we all know already, most of us, but sometimes we do not feel. God is good to those who are pure in heart. So let's just stop right there. God is good to his faithful people. If the Bible is true, there is a God and he made us all and yes, we turn away from him, we stuff it up, but God is good to us. Have a look at verse 1. It says that. Truly God is good to Israel. That's not current Israel, it's God's Old Testament people Israel. To those, and he tells us what he means by that, to those who are pure in heart. Do you really believe that? Clearly says it, doesn't it? God is good to those who are pure in heart. But here's a problem. When I look at my heart, I'm not pure. But we know what God has done. He has made us pure. So straight up, let's get this very clear. God is speaking to people right now who have made their hearts pure, not by anything that they've done, but by Jesus Christ and him crucified. His death makes unclean people clean, pure in heart. So let's just stop uh, thinking about what we're going to do after church in this nice, muggy, humid day and have a think. If God has made me clean, washed me whiter than snow, then he is speaking to me right here and he is saying, I am good to you. Do you believe that? Because here's the thing, if you're anything like me, me, you don't feel like he's good all the time. You don't wake up and feel like God is good. And it's into that that God speaks to us this morning and tells us three things. The first one, if you could flick that, thanks, Caleb. Expose the sin. Have a look at verses 2 and 3. This is what Asaph does in this psalm. He identifies sin as sin. Did you see it? He says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. Why? Because I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The first thing this guy does is see that he almost fell. He sees envy in himself. He's looking at people who don't trust God and thinking, I want what they've got. He's looking at Bob and Fred and Steve, people who are away from God and appear to be having a good life and saying, that looks good. Did you realise? It's his eyes, isn't it? When I saw that's the key here. It's seeing what other people want and wanting what they have. That's envy. Seeing what other people have and wanting what they have. When I saw the prosperous people, I wanted it too. What does he see? Have a look, verse 4. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to the rest of us. They're not plagued by ills. He sees an ideal, doesn't he? He sees a perfect lifestyle. It's actually a fake picture. When you're feeling like God is not enough, everything starts looking great, except for where you're actually at. But as for him, what, what's happened? He's almost slipped. He's almost 
stumbled. This is a picture of a person about to slip over, about to stumble. Uh, when I was at uni, I led a bunch of whitewater rafting camps with Scripture Union. We take a bunch of high school kids out on these like wild rapids on two inflatable tubes wrapped in tarpaulins. I don't know how we got away with it. We wouldn't now. So there's three or four experienced uh, whitewater rafting leaders and 20 to 30 inexperienced school kids. And we're going down these huge rapids and often the rapids would stop and the rocks would start. And you'd have to get out and pull your two inner tubes that are wrapped in tarpaulins across all these rocks. Now, if you don't know what you're doing, you could get into trouble. Because the rule is, if it's green or dark, don't step on it. And you say this to the kids all the time, but inevitably, some dummy is not going to listen. And what is he going to do? He's going to step on the green stuff and over he goes. The rock is the only place where you're safe and secure. If you step on the slippery ground, you're going to fall. That's what's the picture here in Psalm 73. This guy is about to step on the green rocks. He's about to slip. And can you see, he's actually writing about it after the fact. He's able to see now that that was the problem. He's exposed sin. sin. The first thing we've got to do is if we're going to break free from feeling like God is not enough, we've got to expose it for what it is. See it in our own hearts. It's a slippery slope. It's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. Does slipping over and falling over sound good to you? No. Well, what else does he see? He not only sees sin in himself, he also sees those attractive lifestyles around him, but it starts to look a little bit not quite good. He exposes what seems very good as actually very bad. He's starting to get cluey on it. I um, used to be a scout when I was in high school and we were on an overnight hike one time and uh, we'd been hiking the whole day and um, this guy brought out what I looked like chocolate and we were all very hungry. And uh, the chocolate smelt like chocolate but it turned out to be laxative. Thankfully, I did not eat the chocolate because it makes you go to the toilet, right? And there are no toilets. And so a couple of the guys had a really bad night. The chocolate looked good. It smelt good, but it was actually very bad. Something that seemed very good was exposed as very bad. And that's what verse 6 is. We see that the people who reject God, who appear to be having a very good life, turns out to be very bad. They're wearing a few things. Did you see what they're wearing in verse 6? Pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. It's not a very becoming attire, is it? It gets worse. It's with their eyes, their hearts, comes out of their mouths. Verse 7, from their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. It's flowing out of everywhere. Their hearts, their mouths, how they feel, how they think. They claim possession of the earth, God's earth, as if it's theirs. They say in verse 10, How can the Most High know? How does he understand this? How does he have knowledge? They're openly mocking 
the creator of the world. They seem to prosper. They seem to be free from the burdens and struggles. Sounds a bit like where we live, doesn't it? That's Perth. But when we take our eyes off God and onto people like that, we're on slippery ground. When you scratch the surface of it, there's pride, there's selfishness, there's oppression, there's greed. It must be exposed. It's not good. My old neighbours, Bob and Fred and Steve, do you know what they're doing now? Well, Bob still takes his boat out, and I last chatted to him, but unfortunately his wife's left him and he's on his own and he's very old. Fred still works in his garden. I drove past it a little while ago. Still weeding, still doing things, still looks okay. Still a garden. Steve upgraded his Land Cruiser and he moved to a bigger house. Now, when I spoke to each of those guys, they knew I was a pastor, and when I said that, guess what I got? Blank stare. Changed the subject. Is that really the life I want? Do I really want what they've got? Really? What about you? Have you got your eyes and your hearts on people in Perth who seem to be doing very well? Do you want what they have? Are you trying to live like people who don't know God? If we looked at our life and their life, is there any difference? First thing we've got to do is expose the sin. Secondly, enter the sanctuary. Did you see the psalm writer sees sin for sin in himself and in the people around him and do you see what happens? He gets distraught. He gets so upset. Things don't make sense. Verse 13, have a look there. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. All have washed my, and washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and more, every morning new punishments. If I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand it all, it troubled me. I couldn't work it out. He's perplexed. He's he's absolutely at wit's end. How can this be? Maybe you've thought, looked out there and went, the guys who don't know God just seem to be having a pretty decent life. They're doing all right. Until you enter the sanctuary. Verse 16. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me till I entered the sanctuary. What's he doing? He's going to where God is. He's talking about the temple there, right? And all of a sudden, he was half blind and now he sees. The penny drops. If God made you and he made everything in this whole entire world, then surely his perspective is the right one on the world. What are we got to do when we feel like God is not enough, when we feel like we want what they've got? We must enter the sanctuary. The watershed moment. This is the turning point in, in the psalm. The biggest turning point in any psalm I've found. He turns completely around and sees God is good. God is in control. God has it all sorted. At the end of the psalm, he's going to say stuff like, it's good to be near God. He's my strength and my refuge. What happened? He went to where God is. 
when a student on the whitewater rafting camp is dragging his raft across the rocks, he needs to look where he's stepping. Where is he going to put his foot next? If he steps on the rock or the slippery ground? Is his foothold secure or shaky? He needs to look and make sure it's firm and secure. Entering the sanctuary of God is like that. It's like stepping on the rock. Last week we saw it. He is a rock in our salvation. He is our fortress. We will not be shaken. Psalm 17. I went into the sanctuary. Have a look there. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them in slippery places. You cast them into ruin. So it turns out he's not the one on slippery ground anymore. They are. Where do we go to have that change of mind, change of heart, change of perspective? Where's our sanctuary? It's not a temple. That's been bashed down. If you think it's going to a building, you're wrong. Jesus says, I am the new temple. And the way you come into the temple is through the cross. We don't have the shadow anymore. We have the reality. Don't go to the shadow. Go to the reality. The only place you can enter the sanctuary is in the Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The cross is the way. Jesus is the new sanctuary and the cross is the door. At the cross, what do we see? God is good. At the cross, we see sinners who turn back are forgiven. We see sin punished. We see righteousness given. We see the goodness of God. Have a look at Hebrews 10 up on the screen here for you. We had it read. Great verses. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. What's the most holy place? That's the temple. That's where God is. By the blood of Jesus. That's his death on the cross. Now by the new and living way that he opened to us through the curtain. That is his flesh. He's talking about his body. On the cross for your sins. We have a great high priest over the house of God. He's done it all. So what do we do? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith that our hearts sprinkled clean from our evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, pure in heart. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who we promised is faithful. If you're envying people around you, don't feel guilty. Do something about it. Come to the one who's faithful. When everything doesn't make sense and it feels like God is not enough, you've got to go to the cross. Go to the way that's open. Enter the sanctuary. When the people around you who don't care about God prosper and the faithful seem to stumble, draw near with full assurance of faith. When you can't see how God makes our lives good, go to the goodness of God at the cross. We must hold fast to the living hope of Jesus Christ because he who promised is faithful. Expose the sin, enter the sanctuary. Lastly, very quickly, enjoy the certainty. 
Now the psalmist has done it all. He has gone to God and got rid of the silly thinking and silly perspective he had. He felt like a fool and now he feels like he's there. And what happens? His heart was grieved, his spirit was embittered, he was senseless, he was ignorant, but now with God's perspective he sees. And now what does he enjoy? Certainty. Have a look at verse 23. Complete change of perspective, right? Yet I am always with you. You hold me with your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterward you'll take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire apart from you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. All of a sudden, where there was stumbling, there was a slipping, now there is certainty. There is hope where there was hopelessness. There is joy where there was grief. There is understanding where there was ignorance. And there is life forever. When you enter the sanctuary, Jesus becomes your safe and secure place. You now say to Jesus, I am always with you. Jesus, hold me by my right hand. Jesus, guide me with your counsel. You will take me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, Jesus? And earth has nothing that I desire but you, Jesus. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, in Jesus Christ and him crucified, is my strength and my heart and my portion forever. When you're pulling that raft over the rocks, there's slippery places everywhere. You've got to make sure you're standing on the rock. If you're on slippery ground, you're going to fall. But when you're on the rock, you can see where the green stuff is. Make sure you see where the green stuff is. Or else you're going to slip. Do you ever feel like God is not enough? He hasn't given you what the people around you have. Where are you looking? God is good to those who are pure in heart. Expose the sin, enter the sanctuary, enjoy the certainty. And then we can say right at the end of the psalm, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful. But as for me, can you say this? As for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us perspective. We thank you that even though we do take our eyes off you and look to this world, and we ask for forgiveness for that, Father. Help us not to envy people who don't know you, who seem to have it all but really don't. Help us to scratch the surface of that and see that that is like slippery rocks. We thank you that even though we do that, you have brought us near in the death of your son Jesus. Help us to expose the sin and enter the sanctuary in Jesus Christ and enjoy the certainty. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.